thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. Our beautiful Karen is away this week, but we decided that we didn't want to leave a week without this burning question and topic around keto. And I thought there is no better person to ask and have on the show than our Flippin' amazing co-host, the gorgeous Cindy O'Meara. But Cindy, this topic of keto, ketogenic, all the things, it's such a big play on words. Could you just get us straight into it and tell us what is keto and what does ketogenic mean? Yeah, I'd love to. Like, there's so many ketogenic, and I'm going to put a quotation here, diets out there. But it's not about a diet. It's about a biochemical process that the body does when you consume uh, certain foods or you have a lack of calories or you're fasting or overnight fasting as well. So it's when I, you know, when I hear ketogenic diet, I go, it's actually not a diet. It's a state that the body goes into, which is called ketosis. And ketosis is where the body doesn't have its storage of sugar. So we put sugar in the storage of glycogen um, into our muscles and into our liver so that we can use it. And the storage usually only lasts a day or two. It doesn't last a long time. It's, it's quick energy for the body. Whereas your fat cells is your long-term Uh, storage for the body. It's a survival storage for the body. And what happens is that when you haven't eaten or you're fasting or you eat no sugars whatsoever, then your body will either use the fat that you're consuming or the fat that's in your storage, which is your fat cells, in order to make a product called a ketone. And a ketone is... it, it. it's like sugar, it goes into what we call the Krebs cycle. And the Krebs cycle is a place where we make our energy unit for the body. And that energy unit allows us to move, allows us to do biochemical pathways, gives us energy, uh, helps our brain, so helps our nervous system. So all of the, these energy units are really, really important. And that's all done in something called the mitochondria, which is in the cell. So if you have a look at the history of why we went into ketosis, then you'll understand, I I believe, why it's becoming such a big thing at the moment. So in the summer, we would eat sweet fruits and perhaps saturated fat because the fruits were available. Think about where you live and those beautiful fruits that you get. So if you live in in the southern parts of Victoria in the Mediterranean, you might get peaches and nectarines and apricots and all of those beautiful fruits. They're very sweet. Uh, In the tropical regions, you might get mangoes and bananas and papaya and uh, things like that. And then in the very cold regions, you might get berries in the summer. And these were very sweet fruits. 
And then the animals would have had a lot of grass, so they would have eaten a lot of grass and gotten fat, and so they would have stored their fat as um, some of it would have been saturated fat. So we ate, ate fat animals and that had saturated fat and we ate sweet fruits. And I'll never forget when I was doing my course uh, the Nutrition Academy and, and I was with Dr. Steve Myers for a year and he was beside me and he would listen to some of my conversations on the phone and I remember getting off the phone one day because I was talking to a type 1 diabetic who was really having trouble with her, her um, glucose levels and she felt that it was the coconut oil which is 98% saturated fat. And I got off and I started to talk to Steve and I said, Steve, could it have been the coconut oil? And he said, Cindy, there's new research that shows that saturated fat uh, is important for um, storing the sugar. Um, so the two together help in the storage of the sugar into fat cells, but it can play havoc with the sugar levels, um, especially someone who doesn't have any insulin because then they can't store it. So uh, we know that the two combined help you put the fat on your body that your body needs in the summer in order to survive a winter. But the problem with modern life <laughs> is that there is never a winter. The grocery stores are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, and we can get tropical fruits in the winter. We can get fat cows with saturated fat in the winter. And so what happens is that we live in a perpetual summer and we never, ever have the opportunity for the body to go into something called ketosis. And if we look at our hunter-gatherers and times of scarcity, and even if we look at our Katavas in Papua New Guinea who lived in tropical regions where mangoes and taros and sweet potatoes and fish and coconut was available probably 24-7, except in times of crisis where there might have been a tsunami, a cyclone, and then their need to be able to go into ketosis and survival was, was important. So in the summer we, we would put on our fat and then in the winter, the animals wouldn't be able to eat as much food, so they would lose fat and there'd be a lot of muscle um, as well as organ meats available. And the sweet fruits weren't there. Like uh, if you look at the sweet fruits in the southern regions of um, the southern hemisphere or the northern regions of the northern hemisphere, you know, you get apples and citrus and and pears, and these are not as sweet as our summer fruits. Plus, nuts and seeds become available in the winter, so our walnuts, and these are not saturated fats, although they do have a percentage of saturated fats, but what they have is they have um, polyunsaturated fats or monounsaturated fats, and these don't do the same thing as the saturated fat does, which causes that insulin resistance, which allows the sugar to be stored as fat. And so you would have been eating a different type of food and it would have been less because it was winter and you would have used your stored fats. And this was cyclical. This was something that was done every single year of your life. It, it didn't change until the grocery store. And the first grocery store 
came about in the US, I don't know about Australia, but in the US around 1948. Uh, and now look at the grocery store. It's, you know, we can get anything from anywhere around the world and, and consume those foods. And as a result, we now see an obesity crisis because people aren't doing their gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight on a cyclical basis. And what else they're not losing on that cyclical basis is they're not losing their um, fat cells, therefore they're not getting rid of any toxins that may have been stored in the fat cells. So if we look back at our hunter-gatherers, the toxins that would have gone into their fat cells may have been heavy metals. There might have been a volcano um, that erupted, heavy metals were released, and if the body couldn't deal with it, they'd put it in the fat cells until the body released those fat cells. These days, what we have is that we have um, fat-soluble toxins such as DDT um, or chemicals that are used in our food supply, um, might be endocrine disruptors, maybe something in our cosmetics. And Kim, you would know better with those, you know, what are the endocrine disruptors that we have? And then there's the obesogens and all of these things um, that we never get rid of and therefore what happens is that we get sicker and sicker. So letting you have that scenario and understanding that now, the ketogenic, as they call it, diet, um, fasting, intermittent fasting, decreasing calories or not eating carbohydrates puts us into a state of ketosis which then allows our body to do what it should be doing on a yearly basis, which is going into less calories, going into a state of ketosis, getting rid of stored fats, getting rid of toxins. And, and this is what I find the most interesting thing of all, Kim. I just, I, I, I'm just blown away by it. So I don't know if you remember, but when I first did the four-phase um, fat elimination protocol, which you started a week after me, mm-hmm. I called you about, I think, at the 10-day to 14-day um, time. I was away at the time. And about 10 days or 14 days into the four-phase fat elimination, I called you and I went, oh, my gosh, I'm with one with the universe. The world is incredible. I, I, I can see things that I've never seen before. I've... And, you know, and you went, oh, my gosh, Cindy, you're on drugs. What are you smoking? What are you smoking? What are you doing? But what happened was that it was almost like my brain clicked in. And I didn't know what was happening at all. I just knew that I felt amazing. But the more research I've done on going into ketosis is incredible. So in in the summer when we ate, lots of fruit and think about where fruit are they're on trees trees don't move and when our brain is being fed with glucose and sugar we feel quite comfortable with our lot we don't really want to move we're quite quite happy being blobs we'd rather sit on the couch because when our brain's been fed by sugar and it's, it's, you know, the hunter-gatherer, it's the evolutionary brain, it's the evolutionary body. We need to stay in one place in order to eat all the food that we can that's available to us then and there. So it puts us into a state of non-adventure. We don't really want to do much. We don't want to move. We're quite content. <laughs> so that's the state it puts you in. So when your brain is being fed by fat, 
or ketones, as we call, you know, that what the fat's converted to as a ketone, it puts you into a state of adventure. Because think about this, where are fats and proteins usually? They're usually on an animal that moves. So you need to move with that animal if you want to survive. You need to be adventurous. You need to be active. You need to get going. Because if you stay behind when those animals have migrated, then you're going to die. So I just, I, you know, that realisation when I rang you, I didn't know that. But the more study I've done on the evolutionary purposes of being in ketosis, I just find it absolutely incredible. I just love the body. I just love that if we understand our historical perspective and we understand how innate this body is and if we live by the laws of nature and it's not just food and you know when we've spoken with Jack Cruz and Jason Belden Smith we know that sunlight's important the type of water we're drinking is important how we make our water is important um, grounding's important movement's important so we know that food is a part of this but also our circadian rhythms and the sunlight and when the sun um, is on the planet. I, I think Jack was the one that said where, what, what did he call it? Us? Um, well, oh, I can't remember the exact name that he called human beings, but they know where they are on the planet at what season it is, what time of the year it is because of sun. Mm-hmm. and because of the moon and because of the latitude and the longitude that we cross and where we live. And then from there we should know, our body knows intellectually and innately what are the foods that will be surrounding us and preparing us for it. So I know that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> oh, can, can, I just re, can I just say it again to, to make sure I've understood it? Yes. Um, so... The ketogenic diet is a is a is a fancy word or a, a play on marketing, perhaps more than the reality of of what ketosis is. And ketosis is actually a normal response when there's low carbs or low glucose availability. So when we are on a low carb diet or if we're fasting, our body um, it doesn't have enough carbs in the body to burn for energy. So instead it burns our fat, but it makes, in the process of that, it makes a substance called ketones and it's the ketones that it uses for fuel. Is that right? Perfect summary. Oh, really? Perfect summary. Okay, okay. The only one thing that you missed is, is less food available. So in the winter there would be less food available. So you said fasting or low carbohydrates. You can actually, if you pull your calories down to around the 500 calorie mark, you can still eat carbohydrates, but the body will access the fat cells because you're, you haven't got enough fat there for it. Mm-hmm. So it will do that then. So there's a couple of reasons why it will do it. One, less calories, and that's the, the fat loss protocol or the four phase that we do. We pull the calories down to 500 calories, but we give protein because that's what we would have done in the winter in order for the body not to use muscle but to use fat. We want to make sure it's using fat. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I can see why. Uh, the one thing I've got to ask is when I've done a low-carb, 
higher fat. And I think my problem was, I think I did too much fat because is that a possibility that you can do too much fat? Because I actually felt I put on weight by eating too much fat and not enough carbs or, or too much fat full stop. And I felt like I just, my liver, my gallbladder, I don't know, I just, I felt yuck. Can you do too much fat? Uh, look, I think so because if the calories are above the 2,000 calories or even 1,500 calories, then your body's not going to burn your fat. It's actually going to just use the fat that you're eating, convert that in the liver to ketones and then use that for your energy. So, so if, you can still get, you can still put on weight. Yes. By eating too much fat, it's around the calories that you're consuming. Yeah. And yeah. you could be inflamed as well. You could be holding water mm -hmm. and not um, putting the fat down. You could just be holding water. And then, you know, you may have um, fat in your stools because your body can't use it. So there's, there's lots of things that can happen. Or you're um, eating ketogenic bars or things yes. that are processed and your body's not eliminating it or it's storing it as a toxin rather than yeah. a fuel. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. just, that's been something that's really been quite interesting is to see the rise in keto bars and paleo bars and people playing on the word and I think that's why some people are getting a bit cynical about it because it's now become a marketing ploy rather than a biological physiological reaction that occurs in the body through what we eat. But that seems to happen almost with anything you know when it was gluten-free um, you know everybody was out doing gluten-free then it became paleo Oh, and now it's vegan and and keto. So, gosh, it's interesting you say that, Cindy, because yeah. in every one of those diets you've mentioned, the play from a marketing position is moving away from real food and having instant fix um, fake meats or paleo bars, like I said, or keto powders. What? What? It's money, isn't it? Yeah, and it, and it's. I actually think. It's people that are a little bit naive that have paid, maybe, let's just say, like I was, I was reading a website recently and the reason I went to the website is that I went to um, a marathon um, and at the marathon they had stalls and one of the stalls was uh, protein shakes and I stopped at the, the protein, um, I always do, I like to just see what they say and so I stopped at it and I... I asked about it and I do believe it was about ketones if I remember right. But anyway, I asked about the protein and I, you know, the first thing I do is flip it over and read the ingredients. And um, she said, oh, everything's natural. You know, it's, it's all this. It's, and she was going on and on and on. And she, were, she wasn't an expert. She was somebody who had been told that this is what's in the product and she wouldn't question that. So I decided to go home and have a look at the website and the website showed two surfers and what they were saying was that they wanted to create a clean protein that, you know, was better than, they were sick of the hype and they were sick of this and they were sick of that and, you know, you could see that they wanted to do the best thing that they believed was the best thing. But when I, you know, when I looked at it, I went, you don't know what you're doing because obviously you've gone to a manufacturer. The manufacturer has convinced you to put natural flavorings and colors and um, extracts. And, you know, I think in that one protein powder that I looked at, the only thing that was real, I don't even think there was anything real. I think even the black pepper was an extract, not a black pepper. Um, but I think 
that they want to do the right thing, but they don't have the knowledge not to do the right thing and um, or to do the right thing. They don't have that knowledge. And so they go to a manufacturer and then the manufacturer has their food scientists and food chemists and they're not thinking about real foods. They're thinking about formulations and, you know, they believe vitamin A that's made chemically um, is the same as vitamin A that's in a food, which it's not. There is, there's too many different components um, with that. But, you know, that's the belief of science. Uh, so I think that that's why many of them um, start. They start with a, a good beginning, but I just look at them and I just shake my head with most of them. Mm-hmm. Tell me, can you just can you go into ketosis on a vegetarian or vegan diet? You can go into ketosis uh, on any. You could go into ketosis on a junk food diet as long as your calories are down to five hundred, um, around the five hundred. But will you do it healthy? Will your body cope with the junk food and then extracting the fat cells? Um, out of your body and extracting the fat, sorry, out of your body in order to make the ketones. So what you make your body with, so if you make it with junk food, then the fat that you're laying down, let's say it's trans fats um, because it's hydrogenated uh, vegetable oil or let's say it's interesterified fat because it's a, a vegetable fat. So there's there's two ways that um, they now harden vegetable oils and one is hydrogenation and one is interesterification. So let's say you're eating trans fats and interesterified fats and you're laying those fats down as part of your cell structure in your fat cells and things like that, then the quality of the fat that you've laid down and then you go into ketosis, you'll probably feel really yucky. And they call it ketosis flu. Now, I, when I went into ketosis for the first time that I know of, I felt unbelievable. But I'd been eating good fats, good quality foods, and I didn't go into that ketosis flu. So my belief is when somebody reads about ketosis flu, I actually think it's being on a sad diet, the standard American diet or the standard Australian diet, and not considering the fats that you're consuming, foods that you're consuming and you're on a junk food diet, I actually think ketosis flu is your body eliminating fat cells that are just so full of toxins that you feel so crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I talk, I've, I'm, I'm writing a book about this at the moment and so I talk about this um, in the book about the ketosis flu saying some of you won't go into it because you've eaten well all your life and you're just trying to make yourself feel better. But whereas others will go into it and it'll usually be people that have been on the SAD diet. Uh, what I find interesting is that when you're on the SAD diet and I could call it the, what do I, what do I call it? The sinners diet. So the standard New Zealand diet, the standard Af- South African diet, whatever it is. If you're eating those breakfast cereals and um, the modified um, fats and you're having, you know, ultra processed foods, um, so if, if, if you're consuming these types of, of foods, it doesn't matter what diet you go on, whether it's the vegan diet, the keto- ketosis, a diet that puts you into ketosis, the paleo diet, the vegetarian diet, you will feel better. But it's the sustainability. And 
it's like any of these diets, I don't think they're lifelong sustainable. Not even the key being in ketosis is lifetime, lifetime sustainable. But that's and, what I was going to ask you. Is it safe and good for you to be in ketosis long-term? Well, it's in some populations, if we look at a historical perspective, in some populations they may have had to stay in ketosis for quite a few years. And that could have been because of environments, drought, no food was about, available, um, ice ages, you know, all of these things, cyclones, all of these things would have um, sent many, cult many cultures or many tribes into a state of ketosis and it could have been for years. So, yes, you can stay on that for years, but eventually your body needs sugar. Eventually your body needs carbohydrates in order to lay down fat so that you can be fertile. And so for the perpetuation of the species, ketosis was a state, um, it, if you stayed in in a prolonged time that infertility in the females would have been intermittent. Whereas when you lay down the sugar and you lay down the fat cells, or sorry, you eat the sugar and you lay down the fat cells, the fat cells produce a master hormone called leptin. And that master hormone goes to the hypothalamus and says, guess what? We've got a bit of petrol in our tank we've got some storage here let's fire off the testosterone the estrogen the progesterone let's fire these off so that we can perpetuate the species um, because that's what it's all about we are just about you know making sure that we have babies so that the species can continue it's just like anything it's like any animal it's like any um, food that produces a seed it's about the perpetuation of the species in the end, and that's its survival. So staying in ketosis for 20 years I don't think is a good thing mm -hmm. unless you have um, retractive epilepsy or Parkinson's. And, if you, and these are diseases of modern culture. And if you're in those and you stay in ketosis and you stay above, um, I think it's three millimoles per litre of, of blood, um, you, or is it deciliter? I can't remember. But um, if you stay in that, then um, usually your, your Parkinson's tremors are decreased. Um, you know, that, so they are finding therapeutic uses for long-term ketosis. But there will be ramifications, just like any medication, there will be ramifications. But I think I'd rather be in ketosis for a long period of time as opposed to having to take medications for the epilepsy because there are other side effects. And there will be side effects for that. And it's the same with the diet, a vegan diet. You know, you can, people can survive a vegan diet for about 18 months, six months to 18 months, and then they will notice that they start to get health issues and so they'll have to come out of it. And that's when vegans um, begin to either cheat and have a bit of fish, a few eggs or some chicken uh, because it makes them feel better. Um, so the vegetarian diet, though, I have seen people, well, we do know cultures that survive long term and that's the, but they do it with their culture and tradition and it's, it's very much on an Ayurvedic um, philosophy. So they use cooking techniques, fermentation techniques, they use um, certain spices in order to enhance the foods that they're consuming. So, um, it's interesting and, though what yeah. you're saying. Sorry, just to interrupt no, on that. But 
I'm sure many um, of our vegan friends listening to this, they may, they may disagree with you only from the level of um, they feel so good living a, a vegan philosophy um, and if, you know, we both love Dr. Joe Dispenza and his book, mm. The Placebo Effect, that if we believe what we're doing is for the greater good or what we're doing is for our greater good, then some, I would imagine, would say that they feel great on a vegan diet regardless. Or yeah. are you saying that it's not good for anybody? Oh, no, I, no. There are people who do it quite successfully and do it for a long period of time. But it's about preparation. It's it's not about fake meats or faux meats or faux cheese. That's not what it's about. It's about you doing it properly. And if you can't do it properly, then and you see health issues happening, then you need to reconsider. You need to reconsider what you're doing. And it's just like if you're on meat and cheese and you've been on meat and cheese for three years because you're on the low-carb um, diet. Um, and I'm not saying everybody does that on the low-carb diet, but I'm just saying there are people that just believe it's meat and cheese. And if you're seeing some health issues within 16 months to three years, and the thing to do is to reconsider what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But don't let your mind get to the point where it doesn't know the difference. And Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride both you and I love her, has said that sometimes you can't reason with people that have become so sick that they don't realise it and they won't make changes. They'll, change, they'll save the animals but they won't save themselves um, or vice versa. They'll, they'll continue to eat meat um, but it may not be the only thing that they need. They might need plant foods. So it's about... I think it's about being adaptable, adaptable to the environment, adaptable to the food that's available, adaptable to the, the health, you know, the healthy foods that are available. And that's what we've done as human beings throughout the thousands and thousands of years or thousands of generations that we've lived on this planet and being human beings is that we've adapted to an ever-changing environment. So if you live in the desert and you want to be a vegan, you will die because there are no plant foods that you can live on usually in a desert, but the animals know where to find food. They can, you can look at, I've been to Namibia and it looks like there is not a blade of grass. There's not a tree anywhere. It's just an, a landscape of rocks and sand. Yet there are goats, cows, deer, animals, everywhere um, that are surviving out there. Like there's a land. I've seen, you know, herds of animals. So if they can find that grass, but you can't eat that grass, then you're going to have to live on that animal. Mm. And if you live, let's say, in, let's say, northern Queensland, where there are 750 varieties of plants that we can eat up there that the native Australian Aboriginal people knew about, then you could probably survive quite well on plants for quite some time. But if there's a cyclone and the plants are all destroyed, then you're going to have to eat fish or the goannas or the kangaroos or the possums or whatever it is up there that did survive. So we 
as humans are incredibly adaptable. And that's why, you know, these different types of diets have come about throughout the ages because we are adaptable and we can do it, but can we live long-term? That is the question we have to ask. And we have to be open to that when we go on a diet long-term and we have this religion about the diet. And I have no religion about any diets. What I have is that I, I, I listen to what my body needs. So, you know, I was a vegetarian from the age of 13 right through to 29. And then, and I look back in hindsight and it was probably the worst health of my life. But when you're in the midst of it and without any knowledge, even though I was a nutritionist, you know, I, you know, I was, I was blindsided by the macrobiotic diet and the, and the vegetarian diet. And it wasn't until I got pregnant where my body started screaming at me to do something. And I listened to it, thank goodness. Um, and, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm adaptable. And I think all humans should be adaptable. And if you're a vegan and you're, you're getting an autoimmune disease or you're tired or um, you've got mental illness problems, you've got depression or anxiety, then you may need to reconsider what you're doing. And you need to save yourself and not not the animals. Sorry. Cindy, I, I hear you and I'm yeah. sure um, people are hearing you on the right level for that. It's not about you bashing on it or anything, but it's more about realising what's best for the individual with beliefs, values and what our body biochemistry needs. Yes. Is it good for your body to be in ketosis? Oh, is it good for your body to be in ketosis? Well, it's not bad. Mm. And it's a natural phenomenon. So, yes, it's, if it's a natural phenomenon, it's a, an innate uh, ability of the body to do it and an alternative energy source, then it's something that the, that the body needs to do. Is it good to be in there long term? I think maybe that was what I was hesitating at you know, to be in there for years and years and years and years, no, if you haven't got a medical condition. Um, but, yes, it's good for the body to go in and out of ketosis. And in actual fact, the book that I am um, writing is about being cyclically keto ketosis, being, in, it's being cyclically in ketosis. <laughs> so how to come in and out of it very easily. So we live in a world where low fat was, you know, the norm, carbohydrates were huge and we lived on sugar basically or carbohydrates. So you'd have your breakfast cereal at 10.30, you'd be hungry. So you'd have a muffin at one o'clock, you'd be hungry. So you'd have a sandwich at morning, afternoon tea, you'd be hungry. So that's how long sugar lasts in your system. You're constantly having to eat. It's got to be breakfast. It's got to be morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner and supper. And you're constantly needing to feed that sugar um, and put it into either storage or for the body to use that sugar to go into the Krebs cycle to make your energy unit. And if you never, ever give your body the chance to go into ketosis, then it doesn't know how to do it. And this is the issue. So if you're a sugar burner and you've never fat burned before or you don't let the body do that, then to go into ketosis becomes harder and harder and harder. And as 
you're trying to get into it, it takes a lot longer. But once you've trained your body to go in and out of it by eating different types of foods, by changing, you know, to seasonal foods, by thinking about the seasons, then your body will click into ketosis overnight. Your body will click into ketosis if you haven't eaten breakfast. So it will use your body fat very, very quickly. It will know what it's doing. So it's like anything you train the body to do. It's like training the brain to concentrate. If you've never concentrated before because you're here, there and everywhere, then you've got to train that brain to concentrate. It's like the body. If you only give it one type of food, then it's going to know that that's what it's got to be eating and it's going to be trained to only use sugar. Or if you've trained your body only to use fat and you give it sugar, it might spike your sugar and, and cause issues. So that's why I've created something where I talk about the cyclical um, ketosis. So where you use sugar at times and then you use fats. And this is what the body did. It didn't just stay in one or the other. It used both. How do you know when your body is in ketosis? You're not hungry. Your brain's clicked in. You're adventurous. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so they're probably the main things. You've got lots of energy because you need that energy to move so that you can catch those animals like we were talking about before. So that's probably when you really know that you've hit ketosis. Um, I wish I'd known about this, you know, 10 years ago when I did the full phase and I would have known exactly what was happening, happening to me on day 10. Uh, and I probably, because of the way I ate, I'd probably been in cyclical ketosis, but here I was in solid ketosis for a, a long period of time. And it's, and I was adventurous. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do things. I was, yeah, it's, it's an interesting state to be in, but mm. mostly you have energy. Your brain is really clear. Um, you're not hungry and you never get hungry. There's this, you just kind of go, why am I not hungry? It's two o'clock and I haven't, I'm not even hungry. So some days I'll get up in the morning and I'll go for my swim, have my coffee, um, make my breakfast and my lunch, and I'll put it in my um, changing habits um, esky and I'll go to work. And it'll get to two o'clock and I'll think, oh, I haven't had breakfast. And I'll find I'll eat my breakfast at two and then my lunch at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that, that's that, that really intermittent fasting then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And a lot of people are talking about that intermittent fasting or the 5-2. Um, there's that 5-2 thing where you only eat 500 calories on two days. So you're pushing your body into ketosis then on a weekly basis, whereas you can do it on a daily basis as well. So in the morning when you wake up, your body is, if you're not hungry, your body's gone into ketosis because it's using fat cells or the fat that you've consumed, or the fat cells, in order um, to survive until you break your fast, which is breakfast. Mm. So, sweetheart, tell us exactly, when someone says, I'm doing the ketogenic diet, what does that look like? Well, it's staying away from, in, in the beginning, it's staying away from all fruits. If, if I was going to do what, people are calling the, the ketogenic diet, not being in a state of ketosis, but the ketogenic diet. And it's very much low carb, high fat, um, about 25% protein. So you're looking at almost 70% fat, 5 to 10% carbohydrates, 
and um, the rest is protein. And they're saying that if you eat, wait, eat too much protein, then that protein will be converted to sugar, which will then um, be laid down as fat. So that's why they keep your protein lower. Although there are um, people that say that you can eat more than 25% protein and you can eat more than 10% carbohydrates because remembering that everybody is an individual. And um, I love listening to Rob Wolf because Rob Wolf um, has a ketogenic program and he, now this is the, the gentleman that was doing research with Lorraine Codone, Codone, I think that's his name, who wrote um, the first paleo book and did the first research on paleo and, and Rob was his assistant. So Rob's now talking about ketones and ketosis and the ketogenic diet and he says that he's kicked out of ketosis very, very quickly um, with even an apple whereas his wife can eat lentils and, you know, lots of carbohydrates and she doesn't kick herself out of ketosis because obviously they're testing and we should talk about testing um, also, Kim. So make sure we, you ask that question about yes, how do I've we test whether, yeah, whether we're in ketosis. So it's, it is an individual pursuit, but what you would be seeing is you would be seeing, um, and I'm going with people who eat meat here, so you would see 150 grams of meat and the vegetables that you would be consuming would be above the ground root, not root vegetables, but above the ground vegetables, so broccolis and cauliflowers and zucchinis and those types of vegetables as opposed to sweet potato and potato. Um, and what they've done is that they've figured out, you know, what is the difference between, you know, total carbs versus... Um, What's the, what's the terminology um, versus another type of carb in the food. And so you can actually look up um, whether it, what the carb of that food is. So if you see a food that's got, you know, 50% carbohydrates, you don't want to be consuming that because that's probably going to kick you out of ketosis if you're not calorie restricting. Mm. So the, it would typically look like in the morning you might have some eggs and some spinach. At lunch you might look at pate and um you know some maybe some pate and you could have a couple of crackers because they'd be your carbohydrates and for dinner you would typically look at meat mushrooms um and, or fish mushrooms and broccoli and a bit of cauliflower or something like that so that's basically what it looks like and you know people do fat bombs and if you do Kirsty's program out of cultured wellness she will put you into ketosis and the way she does that is you eat mayo, pate and broths and meat um, and then green vegetables with butter. So that's, you know, the beginning of her getting you into ketosis because um, number one, she wants to get rid of any parasites and any bad bacteria that are in the gut and number two, she wants to put you into ketosis um, in, you know, in order to help your brain click in because a lot of people who have gut issues have brain issues as well. So she's looking at both the gut-brain axis. And um, so that's basically what, you know, the ketogenic diet can look like or it can look like my four-phase fat loss or my fat loss protocol as we call it now, the fat loss protocol, where we put you down to between 500 and 700 calories, where you can eat apples and you can have citrus and you can have papaya, but you have 100 grams of 
um, protein for lunch and dinner and you can have either broccoli or asparagus. Um, and so we cut you right down and there's no fat at all because we want your body that you have laid down the fat you know, previously with the food that you've consumed, we want your body accessing that fat and getting rid of it and using that as opposed to the fat you're consuming. So, you know, there's, like I said, there, there's many ways that we can put the body into a state of ketosis. I think it's also very important here to talk about ketoacidosis. Mm. So ketoacidosis usually comes about with someone who has type 1 diabetes because insulin, which monitors glucose, also monitors ketones. And if you have no insulin, then there's no monitoring of ketones and your body gets into a state where there's so many ketones and the body can't use it that it's a, and the body gets into a very acidic state and it can put you into a coma. So most people that go into nutritional ketosis will never go into ketoacidosis because um, they'll have insulin. But we need to be aware of that because many people, when the uh, ketogenic diet started, many of the medical profession who only knew of ketoacidosis were concerned about that process happening. Um, and so it's very important to differentiate between being in a state of ketosis and being in a state of ketoacidosis. And I think ketoacidosis is, oh, I think it might be, oh, I, don't, I don't want to say it because I can't remember. I think it's around 15 um, millimoles per deciliter in the blood. Um, um, well, but I'll, I'll put I that in the show the, notes. Yeah, I, I went to the chemist when the, when, this is a number of years ago because I wanted to measure my ketones and I wanted to see how I could put myself into ketosis. Yes. And the only way they would give me the monitoring kit was to say that I had... Um, type 1 diabetes. Yeah, the possibility yeah. of type 1 diabetes. Otherwise, I couldn't get the kit. And then you can buy the keto sticks, which told me instantly, um, whether with my blood, whether or not I was in ketosis. Is, I, mean, I feel like I'm getting a little bit specific here, but if I want to do the ketogenic diet properly, would that be the right thing to do? Or do you go on how I feel? Well, you can monitor them. And what we've been doing in our office is uh, two of the girls in the office who were very keen to try what I'm doing at the moment, we decided to do it with the um, monitoring machine and the ketone sticks. So let's talk about uh, what, what does a ketone look like? So there's something called BHB, which is beta-hydroxybutyrate. So you would, if you're testing your blood, that's the ketone you're, you're monitoring. Blood tests for ketones are the most accurate to whether you are in ketosis or not. Another test that you can do is a urine test and that's and what you're testing there is acetoacetate. So it's a minor ketone. It's not the major ketone that your body will use in order to um, convert the fat to that, that ketone to then go into the Krebs cycle to produce your energy. And the last one is the breath test and that's acetone. And all you have to do is get close to somebody and you will smell um, that acetone. And I had a young lady come up to me after a talk I did the other day and she said to me, 
oh my gosh, Cindy, I've done your fat loss protocol. I feel amazing. I lost 20 kilos. I got rid of my baby blues. I've got no more depression. I'm off the medications. But she says, my husband says my breath smells in the morning. And I said, it's not bad breath, it's ketones. Um, I said, all you have to do is go eat something and that, that will disappear. <laughs> or do oil pulling with a drop yeah, of peppermint yeah, oil. Exactly. <laughs> and she did say that to me. She said, oh, I've been using peppermint oil. And I said, good job, you know. <laughs> so, yes, j- just put coconut oil with a peppermint oil and do some coconut pulling. So um, you can test that by smell, but you can also have an instrument that, that tests your, your breath as well. Mm-hmm. So the one that we were testing here um, and thinking that we would make that part of the program was the blood testing. Um, and, but what we found was the calibration was terrible. So what we were doing was that we would um, get new test strips, we would calibrate them, we then um, test, let's say um, Karen was doing it. So, what do you mean calibrate, sorry? So it's, there's a calibration that you have to do with the machine and it's every time you buy new ketone sticks, you do this calibration with the machine. It, it shows you how to do it mm-hmm. and it's very important to calibrate it because every lot of ketone sticks is different and um, you want the you know, the readings to be um, accurate. But what we would do is that we would have one group of ketone sticks that were calibrated with one machine. We would have one group of ketone strips that were calibrated with the other machine. And we would then test, like, say, Karen and Kerry were trying it. We'd then test the same drop of blood with both of them and they all came up inaccurate, different. And it could be up to the point where you don't think you're in ketosis on one, but you're in ketosis on the other. And we just felt that for the general public, that this would confuse them. Mm-hmm. It was confusing enough for us doing it in the office. Were we using the wrong machine? Um, were, you know, is there better machines out there? We just decided that that's not what changing habits is anyway. We're about how do you feel? What's happening? Is your baby blues disappeared? Has you, have you hit that peak where you feel amazing? Is your energy increasing? And we've always done it this way. We've all and so we we chose not to do it. Now, if you're in a therapeutic ketosis, then you need to do this. Um, and I'm sure there's better machines out there, but we wanted to use an Australian-made machine. And yeah, we we were a little bit disappointed so yeah. we've pulled the pin just at the moment with that um and, it, and is it really that important to know when you said what you feel like is a really good gauge or is it important to know when you're doing this to start it's a really good question mm. it's a really good question but if you stick with what we're saying and you stick with the rigidity that we do with the meal plan then you will go into that state of ketosis. How long it will take, we don't know because everybody is different. Somebody who's been on the SAD diet will go through that ketosis flu and then, we, you know, we give you um, hacks in order to get yourself out of it. And, and for people that have been following changing habits for a long time and they, they've been eating well, 
I doubt that they will go into ketosis flu. I'm, I can't be 100% guaranteed of that. But if they've been eating well all their lives and they just want to hack themselves, you know, do some body hacking to see how good they can feel and what they can do, then I think they'll be fine. Mm. Um, but there will be people who will do this just like they do the four phase. And I've seen people cry for a week <laughs> on the fat loss protocol, the four phase protocol, because, you know, some of us whinged the whole yes, way yes, through. Yes, yes, yes. Some of you whinge <laughs> and want sweet potato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think what's fascinating with what you're saying is that I think, generally speaking, we have picked up on something that helps us to lose weight, and that is going into ketosis or using. Um, our body to fuel fat rather than sugar as a form of fuel and therefore eat our own fat up, so to speak. That was a very scientific term there, yes. eating up <laughs> our own fat. Um, I'm just wondering, um, we're, we're talking a lot about fats, Cindy, and, and I, forgive me for going here because it's probably got very little to do with it, but would being on the ketogenic diet affect your cholesterol levels? Yeah, it's a really actually good question. So, and I think that that can be answered by what we now know about LDL, HDLs and cholesterols and total cholesterol. And, and this has been a really big thing that people are talking about, that if you go, if you're in a state of ketosis and there's more fat running through your, your veins, um, because what happens is that the fat from uh, deposits around the body has to exit the fat cells, go through the blood, get into the liver, be converted to ketones, and then um, those ketones then go into cells in order to produce your ATP. So there's a lot more fat in the, in the blood system. So you would expect a rise in LDLs. So LDLs are, are the lipoproteins that take the fat from the outer parts of the body to the liver. HDLs take it, oh, sorry, um, it's the opposite way around. The HDLs take it from the cells to um, the liver and they're the ones that you would see an increase in the LDLs take it from the liver to the cells to be deposited as um, abnormally um, laid down fat so that's when we start to put down fat where we shouldn't be putting it down so there's structural fat and there's abnormally laid down fat so you would expect an increase in both of them because both will be working so in blood tests today HDLs, um, they like to be high and LDLs, they like to be low and total cholesterol, they want low as well. But when you're on this diet, you will expect that these carriers have to increase. There has to be an increase in them because they're doing their job. They're doing the job that they're meant to be doing. And we were always told that HDLs were good and LDLs were bad and, and that was the way they've been termed. But they're not good and bad. They're both good. They're both necessary. Where the problem lays is this, is when those HDLs and those LDLs, both of them, are in the body or in the blood vessels for way too long and they become oxidised so oxygen comes into them, that's when there is a problem. We want them cycling. 
We want them carrying, they call them the fluffy HDLs and LDLs rather than the small HDLs and LDLs. Um, and the fluffy ones are the ones that, you know, are moving, they're breaking down, they're taking fat to and fro, they're doing their job. It's the ones that become lazy and they stay within the blood vessels and they become oxidised and they're the ones that cause um, what they believe to be arteriosclerosis, which is when we see a hardening of the arteries and a thinning of the arteries and that's what then turns to stroke and heart disease. Mm. So it's you will expect them to go up. But then if you're going in and out of ketosis, you know, we're doing cyclical the way our body should be doing it, then this will change. And that's the issue with taking cholesterol um, bloods. So let's say, and it's usually fasting, so you're in a state of ketosis, the body will be using the HDLs and LDLs, um, there will be cholesterol in the blood, and, and then we take them. But let's say five days later, um, you're out of a state of ketosis for some reason, you have your bloods taken, that will be completely different. It's not static. Everybody thinks, oh, my LDL was this, my HDL was that, my total cholesterol was that. Well, that was that day. But five days later, it could be very different. And this is what people don't realise is it's not a static measurement. It's actually a very fluent measurement. And Gosh, is the body ever static? Never. Never <laughs> static. And that's why mm. when you get your iron taken, uh, like we, we see this tit for tat thing. Mm. We look at blood blood parameters and we go oh well, your iron's low but what about your ferritin so ferritin is your storage of iron so what they're beginning to realize is that a better indicator of heart failure is iron storage ferritin storage so this is new information that's coming out look is this correct or not we don't know yet this is just new information they're seeing association studies with this and the other really good way to know whether you um, will have um, heart disease is have something called a calcium score, um, which is X-ray imaging. So it's imaging. It's not X-ray. I think it's an MRI. But it's imaging that they do to see how much calcium um, is in your, in, in your blood vessels. Mm. Mm. Oh, I tell you, it is a fascinating topic. I'm interested to know... Um, your thoughts and feelings overall for someone sitting here listening to this and going, you know, I actually do need to lose some weight. I could do with more mental clarity. I'm really feeling fatigued and a bit run down. Um, I, I really have tried everything and anything. And now I'm wondering whether or not this would be a good thing for me. Do you think the ketogenic diet is a good, um, or, or perhaps what you're creating or the, 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 the fat loss program that you've created is a good starting point. Because my only concern around this, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is that when we do a diet to lose weight, in inverted commas, um, we're then doing it for a certain amount of time. We get to a certain weight and then we think, oh, good, I can go back to eating <laughs> what I was eating. And I, I, my concern is, is that people will use the ketogenic diet as a, weight loss for a specific event or a certain thing as opposed to a philosophy or a way of life or at least a springboard to creating longevity with health. How would you help me to understand what's the best thing for me to do? Yeah. 
So what we try to do, and I think everybody tries to do this, is that we try to create an education program um, when you do the fat loss protocol as well as doing um, any program that I do, even the Real Food Reset. The, the thing is that really you're delusional if you think that you can go back to the way you were eating and not gain the weight back again because you are in the place you are right now. Let's just say nobody, you haven't started dieting, you're overweight, you feel like crap. You're in that place right now because of the choices that you've made in your lifestyle and the food choices. So when you go on a diet and you feel fantastic and you lose weight and then you go, well, this is just for six weeks and I can go back to my, you know, muffins and my cakes and my cookies and my breads and I don't have to think about it anymore and I can do lean cuisine and healthy choice and, you know, well, you're going to get end up in exactly the same situation you were when you started. And that the, the scary thing is that the statistics show that 98% of people that, is it 98? Is it 98% of people who go on a diet are heavier a year later? Because for me, a diet for six weeks is a waste of time. But a program that's for six weeks that teaches you new habits and new changes that you can implement into your life for the rest of your life is is so important and is the best way to do it. But I don't want anybody to start any one of my programs if it's just for three to six weeks and you think you can go back to your old ways because that's failure. But that's not my program being a failure. That's you being a failure. That's you making the conscious choice that you're going to go back to your old ways. And that's being in a delusional state. (laughs) That's Mm. that's how I see it. And I might be a bit rough, Kim, but Mm. I just think, you know, don't do it for three to six weeks. Do it for a lifetime. And, and, and for me, it's not just about you. It's about what signals are you sending to your children? What signals are you sending to the planet? Like by choosing the foods that I talk about, which is not potions and powders, but a way of eating, a lifestyle, where you find your food, how you find your food, where you source everything, the questions that you ask, which is what I teach, then you are being an activist. And to me, anybody looking after themselves and really looking after what, where they get their food, they are the highest forms of activists that I've ever seen. They don't out there picketing. They're not out there going into um, animal feedlots and, you know, picketing and hurting people and being taken out by the police. To me, the highest form of activism is somebody looking after themselves and understanding where their food is coming from. Whether you're a vegan or a meat eater, I don't care. But by selecting the foods and getting the foods from ethical sources and ethical farmers and farmers that are doing, you know, the right thing by us. So that's, um, yeah, it was a a good question, Kim, Mm -hmm. and I hope I answered that. Um, Yeah. No, no, I love it. I'm really keen. I'm, I'm curious then. I've gone into ketosis because I feel great. I haven't measured it, but I feel great. My brain's clear. I've got energy. Um, I'm feeling on top of the world. How long should I stay in ketosis for? Well, um, it will depend. It will depend. Um, like for, my, for the one that I'm doing, it's six weeks. 
I want you to get in there and start and do this program for six weeks. Then it's about going, oh, let me have some sweet potato. You know why I put sweet potato in there first, Kim? Was that because, because of, of you? Yeah, because of you. <laughs> the one thing I crave. <laughs> it is. And it's mine too. So anyway, I, you try the sweet potato. See how you feel. Does it make any difference to you? So it's about a, um, testing and measuring, mm. seeing how you feel. And I know when I've eaten too much sugar, my brain just goes into, oh, I don't really want to do anymore. I just want to blob on the couch mm. or because that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to make you stay in one place. So if you want to be a blob on the couch, go and have some sugar. (laughs) Eat more sweet potato. But if you want to be adventurous and active, then make sure you stay in in that state or go in and out of that state because there's... You're not anti-carbohydrate. No. You're not Not at all. all. No. I think they're so important in the summer. Uh, I I think we should be eating our mangoes and our peaches and our nectarines and our cherries. I think that they should be a part of our our eating habit. Um, and then in the winter we we close down again because I fat we've always put on fat and taken fat off. And if you think that you can stay at a level weight um, and 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 that that's good for the body, I'd like you to think again. Because we've always put on a little bit of weight, taken off the weight, put on the weight, put, taken off the weight. And that, remembering that the fat cells are the only thing that produces the leptin. Nothing else produces leptin. So if you have no fat cells on you, you do not produce leptin. So then the body says, there's no leptin, I need to eat, and it will make you hungry. It will make you want to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. So unless you've overridden it, which, you know, people can do. And the same with when you put on too much weight, the, the body will go into leptin um, resistance. So just like insulin resistance, it will go into leptin resistance. But then there's this beautiful even um, way that we can be in where the body is saying, yep, yeah, check in, we've got some fuel. Let's throw some more hormones out. Let's go have some fun. You know, so if your sex drives down, could be because you're leptin resistant or you don't have enough leptin on you. So that, and that's just one thing. It could be energy. It could be fertility. Um, it, it's all of those things that we need to look at. Um, and so to me, it's in and out all the time, thinking of the seasons, thinking what food's available in your local area buying from your farmer's markets. And I know, Kim, you live this way. Mm-hmm. You know, if those farmer's markets are full of mangoes and peaches and nectarines, I know that you buy them. <laughs> and I know that you're like me. We put on weight in the summer and we lose it in the winter, you know. It's just... <laughs> just when I need to be in my bikini, looking as hot as... No. <laughs> but you're, we're curvaceous in our That's bikinis. Right. That's right. <laughs> Very curvaceous. And with a little bit of support, look amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and our breasts fill out, and, you know. <laughs> so could the keto diet teach me, I keep hearing about being a sugar, a fat adapter as opposed to, or a fat burner as opposed to a sugar burner. We know that that has a longer fuel. I, I sustain myself better with energy, with, better, with good fat, as opposed to high carbs and, and high glucose diets. It, I know a carb meal. So if I had a meal filled with carbs and and more than the protein and the fat, that that would obviously kick me out of ketosis. 
but it wouldn't stop me from being a fat burner if I just did a one-off meal like that, would it? No, not at all. Not, definitely not at all because you, remember you've trained your body to do this mm. by eating, you know, variable, by being in ketosis, taking yourself out of ketosis. So, no, one, one meal is not going to change it. 50 meals may change it. Mm. One meal will not change it. Yeah, which is why I think the whole approach to this or what you're alluding to here is that understanding what ketosis and the ketogenic diet actually is, that there is a marketing side to it, but what actually is ketosis and what's the benefits of it and also what's the harmful side of being um, in and out of or perhaps not valuing ketosis. Yes. But more importantly, um, Cindy, can you just explain to us, um, as a mum, if I've got young children, is this something that I should be thinking about or is it, is it if, just, just talk to me as a parent now because I can imagine there's lots of parents out there now thinking, gosh, we need to put all our kids onto a ketogenic diet. Just can you explain to us the safety around ketogenics with children? Yeah, well, children, you know, I think about the, the people in Namibia they have babies and those children are probably in ketosis for long periods of time. So we know that it's not dangerous um, for a child to be in it because we have tribes that do it. The, the Kikiyas of Pamir, we've got the Himbas of Namibia, we've got the Maasai in Kenya. So, and we also have the Hadsas in Tanzania, although they do like their honey. I hear their diet is around 30% honey, so maybe the kids don't, aren't completely devoid of carbohydrates. So we know it's not dangerous, but why do that when you have, we live in an area of the world, like, like you and I, we live in Queensland, and I know people will be living all over the world listening to us, but if I was going to just say it for our area, you know, what is wrong with feeding our children fruit? What is wrong with feeding our children, um, you know, even legumes and grains and things like that? It, I don't think that that is the bad thing, but just know that they will adapt. And by feeding them a variety of foods that are in season, then their body will adapt to different foods all the time. As opposed to if you were to feed your kid breakfast cereals, muffins, um, sandwiches, cakes and cookies and pasta, then you're not giving that child the or even feeding the child um, a vegan diet, you're not giving them the possibility of being adaptable to the foods that they that are being that that they can eat. Um, and I just think that you need to be very careful of that. So for me, it is about giving variety, what's available around your area, and and you know in the areas you're in. And I just I watch. Um, I actually, I'm not, I'm not going to go with the vegan diet. Let's just stay with the variety of food that we should be consuming mm -hmm. and just eat a variety of foods and give your children seasonal, you know, foods and allow them. You know, we live in modern society. They're going to go to a party and they're going to eat junk food. So I used to let my kids do it. Uh, you know, I was a tiller the hun at home, but 
I was, when I let them go to a party, I decided that I wasn't going to stop them eating anything. And the really good thing is they'd come home and vomit. (laughs) (laughs) They soon learnt. Yeah. So you can have a child stay in ketosis and they will survive because we know tribes that do. And what about if my child or anyone in my family, I've heard a lot around the ketogenic diet being very helpful for people. And I know you've mentioned health issues already, but particularly with epilepsy, do you know much about it with that? Yeah, look, it's, it's, that was how, that was the first time I ever heard of ketosis was it was a diet that um, was for people who had epilepsy. It was the only thing that seemed to help uh, children with epilepsy or people with epilepsy, epilepsy where the drugs didn't work, so retractive epilepsy. Mm. Um, but I remember, this, I, I, I've told this story before, but I remember being um, in a hotel once and there was a neurologist conference and I happened to be in the mm. um, uh, elevator with a neurologist and I asked, you know, what are you learning? And they said, oh, we're talking about epilepsy. And I said, oh, you know, is the ketogenic diet being addressed? And he said, oh, no, we addressed that last year, but who would want to go on that? <laughs> so, uh, like, for me, I would rather see my child who had retractive epilepsy to be on a ketogenic diet as opposed to um, being on medications. That, but that's me. That's not everybody. Um, it is a therapeutic diet that has helped, like I said, people with Parkinson's. I love Dr. Veach. Um, if you look up Dr. Veach and his uh, interview with um, Dave Asprey, especially if you have someone or a loved one with Parkinson's or um, um, multiple sclerosis, uh, even dementia and Alzheimer's has been helped with um, a ketogenic state. Mm. But Dr. Veach also talks about um, supplements and that's something that we haven't talked about because um, I've written a whole article on supplements and Dr. Veach believes that the only supplements that these people should be taking are the ester form, not the salt form, but the ester form. Mm -hmm. And because they're so expensive and, well, when I heard him speak with Dave Asprey, you know, he wants to reserve these um, ester forms for the people that, you know, do have these uh, health issues that are only helped as a result of being in ketosis and taking the ester form of ketones. I don't believe that we should be taking ketone bodies, um, consuming them, because they are not in food. They are not available in food. We make them, humans make them, and cattle or young um, dairy cattle will, will make them, but that's a disease state to them. But humans create these ketones, food does not contain these ketones. So we don't know when we consume them what they're doing to our microbiome, to our digestive tract, because they never enter the digestive tract. They are always produced in the liver and then the liver sends them out to the cells in order to feed the mitochondria to produce ATP. So that's in a nutshell, but if people want to know more, I will put a link on um, the show notes so that they can go to my article that I wrote about those um, medications or, well, ketone bodies. I just found this incredibly fascinating and it's so nice to hear someone without a biased opinion on what we should or shouldn't be doing. If you were to sum up the pros and cons and to tell me if I didn't know anything about the ketogenic diet and I said to you, Cindy, I'm going to go on the ketogenic diet, what would be your summary 
to someone considering this? What would be my summary? For, for what state they're in, Kim? So um, just if I said to you, I would like to go, I've heard about the ketogenic diet. Yep. Oh, I've heard okay, I could gotcha. lose weight. Yep. Give me the summary, the pros and cons, an overall thing on how you would tell someone like me who was new to it or considering it. Okay. So a summary instead of the hour we just did. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm just thinking it was so good and helpful. But now what about the, the husband that goes to the wife that's listened to this? I want to do the ketogenic diet. She just wants a, a paragraph, not an hour. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let's, let's do the paragraph. Because it's a natural state for the body to be in. It's a state that we went in on a cyclical basis, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And because I've been eating carbohydrates all my life, I want to know what it's like to be on it. And I, I've heard that um, I can release toxins by doing it. I can get healthy by doing it. And I can train my body to be able to use ketones as well as sugar for my energy. Is, is that... That's kind yeah. of a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, could we do it as a family? Is this something that you would uh, recommend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it as a family. Like I don't do the meat and dairy. I don't do the Himba Kagir's diet. I do it with vegetables. I don't pretend we're in the desert or 14,000 feet above sea level. I pretend we're living where we're living and that we can get vegetables. So for me, the ketogenic diet is with vegetables. It is with um, some carbohydrates um, and eventually we go back to fruits. But while we're training the body, we've got to stay in ketosis. So we train the body to be able to do it. And then what we do is we go into cyclical ketosis. It's a, it's a body training exercise. Mm. It's to teach the body to go back to what it should be doing as opposed to just being a sugar burner. Nice. Nice. So it is actually a really good thing to consider if yes. you feel like you've been on a high-carb diet for some time and it's time to get a grip and get a, a better hold on your body and stop buying into the whole thing of eating lots and lots of carbs. I think it sounds, I mean, to me, after doing your protocol and having experienced it, I found a happy medium for me that I definitely do not need as many carbs as I've ever been used to in my life. I found that the type of fat really matters for me. So I can't have heaps and heaps of oils and MCT oil and coconut oil and, and um, ghee. I can't have heaps and heaps for me personally. But I found that the best thing for me is definitely being aware of my carb intake, enjoying quality fats and adding things like avocado and, and having my beautiful dressings with apple cider vinegar and and I just I actually love what the ketogenic diet and your ways of doing things have really done for me and understanding my body I also really appreciate that um, it's okay to eat fruit because for a while there I stopped eating fruit altogether in fact I got frightened of bananas and I feel like sometimes these diets make us afraid of foods but if I keep holding on to your values and beliefs that whole food, real food, one ingredient foods are great in moderate doses and making sure we have a plethora and variety of foods around us. Plant-based predominantly would be my take on it, if you correct me on any of this if I'm wrong, a good amount of quality fat and then a small, a fistful, which isn't a lot of protein um, in your 
lunchtime or evening meal. Would that be a fair assumption and an overriding assessment of being ketogenic? Most definitely, Kim. You you seem to sum up things absolutely beautiful, and it's and especially um, making sure. As Natasha Campbell McBride says, making sure you're eating those fats and those proteins for your body and eating the fibrous fruits and vegetables for the microbiome. So you're, you know, you're giving them both um, the food that they need in order to be healthy. Because remember, in the microbiome um, produces a lot of the, you know, a lot of our vitamins. It produces a lot of our amino acids. It produces. You know, butyrate, um, it produces so many things in order for us to be healthy. So we want to make sure we're not only nourishing our body, but we're nourishing the microbiome as well. And that's why, um, you know, I've done it this way. And, and when you consider um, our hunter-gatherer uh, relatives, they ate a lot of organ meats. And those organ meats would have made up for any plants that were not available for them. But I find that in the Western society, people just don't want to eat the organ, organ meats. They don't want to eat the intestines. They don't want to eat the brain. They don't want to eat the kidneys and the liver. And that's where a lot of nourishment is. And a lot of like, um, there's even vitamin C found in, I think it's the pineal gland. I can't remember. But, you know, when we were eating the whole animal, we were able to survive without those plants. But in this day and age, we don't do that. And I want us to also consider uh, eating through the ages. So being a baby, we eat breast, well, we drink, yeah, we drink breast milk or we eat breast milk. And as we get older, and especially women start to put that paunch on, and I often, people often say to me, Cindy, how do you stay slim? And I said, well, I've learned that I can't eat like I ate when I was a fertile woman. You know, when I was, um, had my cycle and things like that, you can't eat the same and you've got to eat for your ages and you've got to realize that you just can't continue to do that. So that's a really I, good point. Yeah. I believe the ketogenic diet takes women who are in perimenopause and menopause and having struggles with it. Um, and it takes them back to the state that they want to be in when they were fertile, because I have so many women that do either the four phase or, um, you know, a diet similar to the ketogenic diet that I'm organizing now, which I call the hunter-gatherer diet, I find that it really helps them um, to stabilize, you know, their moods, how, their hot sweats, how they're feeling, the weight gain that they're feeling, the tiredness, that all starts to shift. So this is an, another good thing is for those women that just need to get the, their, their mojo back on again. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a, um, I think you've really summed it up beautifully and I'm, I'm actually really excited because it's made the most amount of sense to me and I especially love your holistic look at it because when you talk about getting the sunrise, you know, looking into the sun at that first light in the morning, grounding, earthing, eating a well-rounded variety of, of um, foods, but particularly for a ketogenic then a higher fat lower carb kind of situation i think i think there's only health benefits for all of us if we could learn to eat this way and i think i especially took my take home from you on this was um the power of it being cyclical not having to be in ketosis all the time or to stick to some regimented regime 
and it will teach my body to become a fat adapter or a fat burner as opposed to a sugar burner, which means if I do have the odd blowout in France and have a few croissants, um, or if, <laughs> I I do have, if I do have a drink of alcohol or if I do have a dessert one night, it's, it's actually not going to ruin my body. It's, I think, would you say, is it 80-20 or 90-10 for people that are really looking for a, a way of life that you don't have to always be regimented? What would yeah. be your take? Well, I've always said 80-20. That, you know, that was in my first book in 1998. I just said, do the 80-20 rule. But when, when we're talking about that 20%, I am still very strict about mm. the food that I'm consuming as far as the quality of it but I might just you know have a nice chocolate cake that's made with real food ingredients you know so or a croissant that's made with butter and um einkorn flour so I still don't go and do a lean cuisine I can tell you that now you will never see me with a lean cuisine or a healthy choice <laughs> yeah well you've always, always been the be queen yeah. yeah you're the queen of quality my friend and, yeah and thank you so much so for no matter what your your dietary preferences are from vegans through to paleo or um, um, vegetarian then there is a way of doing the ketogenic diet that will suit you regardless and I think that's been really helpful for all of us that love food and certainly love health is there one final thing you'd like to say or anything final you'd like to mention about the ketogenic diet I think the only thing I'd like to say is that Kim Morrison you are the best interviewer <laughs> <laughs> I, every time you were asking every time you'd say something I'd go oh I want to ask this question yeah, exactly. and he'd say this question see it helps to not know much it's, it's good to not be knowledgeable. <laughs> that means you ask lots of questions. But I, I just want our audience to know that whenever you ask a question, I, I usually text her and I go, oh, my gosh, that was the best question. <laughs> but I haven't been able to because I've had to answer them. But, you, yeah, I think I've talked enough about the ketogenic diet and people, when, I, when the book gets released, I'll let everybody know or the, the being in a ketotic state, I should say. But, um, yeah, I just want our audience to know that you are a fabulous interviewer and I just really love being on Up for a Chat with you and Karen and, and you know, you've, just, you've asked me some really curly questions as well. So it's really had to make me think. And in actual fact, I've been writing notes um, because I'm thinking those questions aren't answered in the book, so let's make sure we answer them in the book. So well done. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. And thank yeah. you so much. And we've missed our beautiful Karen this week. But yeah. I know that she's always with us in spirit. We're always all together. And to you, our beautiful listeners, thank you once again for tuning in to listen to us. Um, this is like us having a conversation around the table. I can assure you this is how we talk and we go out. I might note that we do watch our P's and Q's a bit more but we certainly do love asking each other the questions and hearing each other's different perspectives so to you our listener thank you so much and if you do enjoy up for a chat please do go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating it still means a heck of a lot to us and it certainly helps with our search results um, and we've had some pretty amazing conversations over these seven years um, so if you ever want to go through the archives I think you'll find that there's some incredible talks in there and um, we'd also like to put it out there that if any of you have had any life-changing situations because of up for a chat or um, through listening to up for a chat podcast if 
things have changed for you in some way or you've been someone who really has found this podcast to be of immense help, then we'd also really love to interview a few of you if you'd be interested in getting in touch with us. So go to our Facebook page.com forward slash up for a chat and message us privately in there. And we'd really love to, to hear from those of you who have had life-changing um, and inspirational journeys through listening to this podcast. You can also go to the wellnesscouch.com forward chat uh, forward slash up for a chat if you would like to post any comments and questions there. Um, but on behalf of Cindy, Karen and I, uh, we'd just really love to say thank you for tuning in each week. These topics are dear to our heart. We love having the conversation and we look forward to tuning in with you again next week where you can become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. Take care, guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.